Hi, this is Dave from the Owlish Folk. We had a minor wind problem in the recording of this episode. It isn't a huge problem, but uh, we now have a new microphone, so after this episode, things will sound better. Thanks for your patience and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Owlish Folk, the podcast that answers questions about the English language. I'm Amanda, and with me is Dave, a man who is not an onocrotalus. Uh, an ono what? Crotalus. An onocrotalus. What does that mean? It literally translates to donkey clapper. Oh, and I'm not a donkey clapper. Thank you very much. Are you sure? You said I'm not. Well, I'm just making sure. <laughs> okay. Well, onocrotalus is Latin for the word pelican. But interestingly enough, Aristotle used the term pelican, spelled K-A-N, when referring to woodpeckers. So pelican is a derivative of pelicos, which means axe. And this is really cool because that term, pelicos, originally meant to refer to any bird with an interesting beak. Really? So now we just think of pelicans because they have the most interesting mm. beak, but it could apply to any prominently beaked bird? But I mean, if you think of a beak, aren't they scissor-like, cutting like an axe? You know, a lot of them, some birds' beaks overlap, like yeah. scissors do. Yes, and if they repeatedly open and shut, mm. especially a large-billed bird, like hornbill or something, I could see how that might be a kind of chopping motion. Mm. Yes. But I love this because the collective term for pelicans is a pod or a scoop of pelicans. I love scoop of pelicans. Mm. Yes. Well, that brings us to today's question. So Dave, what is the question that we will answer today? Today's question is, why do some groups of animals have unusual names? Mm. So I think mm, this is yes. referring to like a scoop of pelicans mm, or exactly. more familiar, I guess, a herd of cattle. Yeah, what's another example? Um, we would say a shoal of fish or a school of fish. Mm. See, I've never heard shoal. I would always say school. Is there some difference? Now, I believe school is a kind of corruption of shoal. I think it was originally shoal of fish and it's been misread and misinterpreted as school. Mm. But I've also heard that a shoal of fish is a group of fish of all one uh, species or one variety. Uh, but if you go to a reef, you might see a school of fish, a whole load oh. of different fish. So you could have a shoal of puffer fish, but then in if you were to look, uh, I don't know, look in a water basin, <laughs> is that the proper name for it, of a zoo, the an aquarium, um, yeah, that's a good then word. you could see, <laughs> the aquarium is yeah. the appropriate word, You then you'd see lots of different fish. Uh, Maybe swordfish and <laughs> yeah. Now I'm gonna. I'm just gonna point out one thing. I believe pufferfish are notoriously uh, solitary fish, so you wouldn't oh. really find. But I. I oh, failed in that example. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have said Please anything. Please stop hitting me. That hurts. <laughs> Come back here. <laughs> Collective nouns is something that everybody uses, but I think, and many people that ha are interested in this topic would agree, that we should really call it terms of venery. What, what's venery? Yeah. Would it be sports such as hunting and fishing and... Yes. Yes. Well, ven is from Latin and it uh, means to pursue or desire. Mm. There's also the old English word uh, when, which 
uh, I guess it's from the same original root, to, to pursue or chase something. So venery is related to two things, really hunting or also um, sexual desire or sexual pursuits. Oh, heavens! So we've got a load of uh, related terms, uh, as we've mentioned before. Uh, venison? Yes. Venison used to be the meat of any game animal, but now we think of uh, it as just deer meat. Mm. So anything you'd have pursued or chased was venison. Venerable is a, a position that you would venerable want to Venerable bead. Venerable bead, mm. yes. A high lofty position, a position that's worth pursuing or to venerate, to uh, exalt into a lofty position. Um, that's and nice how it all kind of connects together somehow. Yeah, and then there's also um, venereal. Venereal relates to sexual activity, but it also comes from that same root to pursue or to chase or desire. Oh, wow, that's so, really interesting. Yeah, terms of venery were terms related with hunting, the pursuit of, uh, of game. And that whole idea of giving groups of animals interesting names comes from a 14th century nun. Her name okay. was Juliana Berners. She was the prioress of the Priory of St. Mary's of Sockwell in England. It's near St. Albans, if you're looking at a map. Hertfordshire. Yes. And she gets credit for many of these classification names. People don't really know a lot about her, but scholars believe that she came from a very well-to-do family and was taught to enjoy a lot of field sports like hunting and fishing and hawking from an early age. So if you looked at her skill of language and then combined with her knowledge of these field sports, she was able to be very skilled at giving animal group names that were somewhat bizarre or amusing but really oddly appropriate. She was born in 1388 and she is said to have written a book known as the Book of St. Albans and it was published in 1486 after her death in 1460. And this is really interesting because this book is considered to be the first known book on the subject of field sports written by a woman. So it was unusual really for women to publish anything, right, yes. in, those, in those days. According to the Oxford Dictionary, yes. Berners' fanciful, funny, and spectacularly imaginative names were probably never intended to be taken very seriously, but they soon ended up being repeated by other writers in antiquity until they stuck. Then they became academically applied terms among biologists and poets that are still used to this day. Yeah, the Book of St. Albans is, is kind of influential, important, mm, right? Yes. And so didn't people uh, add things to that kind of under her name to give them more uh, importance, more gravitas? There's even speculation as to whether she even wrote That's it. That's right. But, and whether she even existed. But the <clears throat> book became so well revered that, she, that uh, people would refer to it and use it kind of as a important resource. There are some records missing at the priory that she attended between the years of 1430 and 1480 and there's no record of anyone in the Berner family with the name of Juliana so she could have used that as uh, a pen name um, you know perhaps or you know I, I don't know but uh, yeah she could have not written it at all it could have been a group of people. Who it knows? could have been, yes, someone else adding things under an assumed name or... Yes, the the way these terms have uh, become uh, adopted and more uh, and still used today, they became kind of important. Yes. Uh, but they are poetic. And They're very fanciful. Beautifully descriptive. Yes, yes. So even if they weren't meant to be serious, now some of them really are. Yeah, and when you're thinking about these groups, verbs, nouns, adjectives, 
they were chosen for these groups of animals according to their behavior, movement, or personality. So if you take our title, the owlish folk, you automatically think that owls are very wise. They have a lot of knowledge. You always see pictures of owls. I'm not talking about real owls. Okay. <laughs> Drawings of owls with glasses reading a book. And I think a stately word like parliament was really deemed appropriate for that group of owls. So a group of owls is a parliament yes. of, of owls. That's right. Yeah, so it, the, the um, term of venery for the animal has to describe the animal in some way, appearance mm -hmm. or characteristics. Yes. What other examples do we have? So I found one that I actually have never heard of this bird before, but a chain of bobolinks. Bobolinx. What is a bobolinx? It's a blackbird. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, a chain of blackbirds. Okay, chain of bobolinx. There's a really, there's a two good ones for cats, a glaring or a clouder. Uh, I found a crash of rhinos, mm. which I think is, is brilliant. And you also have a crash of hippos. Uh, yeah, and a bloat of hippos. A bloat of hippos is beautiful. But yes. you know what I noticed about those big animals, hippos or rhinos or elephants, the words to describe them are really heavy, kind of clumsy, violent yeah. words that are defining these big animals. And then well, you would use that to define a <clears throat> group of people as well. You would say, "Oh, they're a right herd of elephants." Mm, yeah. Uh, to describe people who are clumsy. Right. So is is that the way we see these animals generally? But when we were first talking about writing this episode. You mentioned, what if there were a different name, like a tweet of hippos, yeah. a really gentle, delicate word. Yeah, tiptoe of hippos. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, wait, didn't the hippos in Fantasia tiptoe and twirl? They may have done, I don't remember. Yeah. So, but would people look at the animals differently if they had a different term of venery? I think they might do. If you call the group as, uh, something violent, you'll think of them as violent, like a murder of crows. crows yeah. But even for the murder of crows, crows or raven yes raven thank you these birds were kind of ominous birds same with owls though which is interesting because more cultures have the owl as representative of death rather than crows or ravens but when you think of these big black birds you think that something bad's going to happen so mm. murder is kind of fitting yes um, and they they look at you in a kind of creepy ominous yeah, they're way mean. and maybe it's just the color and the shape and now what we the way we look at them we think mm. of them as sort of iconic of death but if you think of that with owls maybe owls come at night to take the spirit mm. away that's kind of i did find mm. um raven the group is an unkindness or a conspiracy Unkindness of ravens is... But that makes me feel really creepy. sad. Poor ravens. I know. And even walruses. And ugly of walruses. That's quite cruel, isn't it? Yeah. How about a skulk of foxes? Yeah, it describes the movement skulking along. Yeah. But the word skulk is really fun to pronounce. Skulk. I yeah. like that. A mob of kangaroos. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Okay, okay. I like a quiver of cobras. Yes, yeah. The movement of the cobras. Yes. Yeah. And this is very fanciful. So a group of butterflies, there are four terms, a flight. Makes a, sense, yes. A kaleidoscope. Oh, yeah, descriptive, good. A rabble. <laughs> Why do I think that works at all? Well, what if you have a flower in your hand that butterflies like and they kind of accost you and... Yeah, I feel like a rabble can... has some jostling element, but the butterflies don't have the mass to jostle you, do they? They could be mean. Well, here's another mean one, a swarm of butterflies. Yeah, a swarm, you feel like these must be pests. Yeah, because I think mm. you call a bees a swarm of bees. Swarm of bees or swarm of <clears throat> locusts, right? Mm. Ooh. Yeah, so I always think of swarm as a, a negative thing. 
Um, yeah, very aggressive. And that's the thing, when you apply any of these words that are meant for animals mm. or bugs or whatnot to people or other items, they kind of change the way that you see the meaning. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so the herd of uh, children would be, yeah. these must be making a lot of noise and kind of clumsy mm. in uh, how they carry themselves. That's right. I quite like a palm of wankers. Me too. Yes. Wasn't the death of King Henry I of England thought to be because of a surfeit of lampreys? <laughs> Did you hear that? No. Yes. A surfeit of lampreys? Yes. Lampreys. Okay. Now, I'm not entirely sure what a lamprey is. I know it's a kind of an eel-y eel, or it's some kind of fish, maybe some kind of anather, like a fish without a jawbone. Oh, I hope he didn't feed a horse with that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Should I go into the... Yeah. Uh, yes, definitely. Now, I like the, I like the segue. All right. Feed a horse. I know you've been itching to tell us yes, about this. Yes, I have. Um, so, to feed a horse means to put ginger up a horse's fundament. Fundament, like the fundament hole? Yes. Okay. And as it is said, a live eel to make him lively and carry his tail well. But fig can also figuratively be used as a word of encouraging or spiriting someone. But King Henry I wasn't, wasn't figged. Did he die by way of fig? I don't know how Henry I died. That was before my time. But so you would fig a horse when your horse needs to perform in some That's way. That's right. When you want it to prance with mm. its tail up on its uh, When you're trying tiptoes. to sell it or to show it it's good breeding. So right. the tail would be up in the the, the tail bone would be up and the, the horse hair would flow and it would trot very enthusiastically and energetically. And it, maybe if it were an old mare, she wouldn't have that much energy, but then you feed her and she would certainly seem like a young filly. Goodness, I can imagine. And then you can say it to a person as well as just encouragement. Yes. How would we would say feed yourself? <laughs> Evans to Betsy. But I like the idea of using it to encourage someone. Yes, fig up. Good. Yes, fig up. <laughs> Things will be better. Yeah, okay, we'll start saying that. <laughs> I have some other funny terms for people. Um, a Mayflower of Americans. Very, very uh, appropriate. Good. A pound of Englishmen. Yeah, I like a quid of Englishmen. That could work. And a pint of Irishmen. And that's it. Dave, do you know how these words came to be important in field sports? Yes. So a lot of these words are used to describe groups of animals that you might hunt. And they, they're sort of elaborate and a little bit poetic. So you would have um, pride of lions or... Uh, what's the giraffe one that you like? Yeah, tower of uh, giraffe. Yes. Mm. Yeah, the, the crash of rhinos mm. or um, other things you might want to hunt. Uh, so if you're a, a... A sounder of hogs or uh, warthogs, yes. Yes, a sounder. So then... If you are a hunter, you would be able to say, we're going to go find a sounder. sounder. yeah. And other hunters would know what you meant. So it's a good uh, little bit of jargon for them, but it also is a little bit elitist. And mm, so it yes. shows their position in society. If you were a hunter, you had the time and money and probably land to go uh, hunting for these big game sense. animals. Yeah, and anyone who doesn't know these terms is kind of uh, an imposter. So you learn these terms. That's unfortunate. Yes, it's, a, it's just a, an elitist uh, idea. But even now, it's still uh, important. So it might have seemed weird to uh, hunters in those days to talk about a herd of rhino, uh, where now it would be weird to talk about a school of cows. Yes, that would be weird. Yeah, so we still want to get... We, we wouldn't talk about a flock of cows, for example, but you want to get those terms right now for the ones that we commonly use. 
I wonder why we say a flock of sheep, though. Flock uh, is from Old English, but uh, it originally meant uh, a band or group of people. And uh, that sort of fell out of use, but it was still used to describe groups of animals, especially among uh, working class folk who might have been most familiar with sheep. So a flock was just the name for the group of sheep. But now we even use it as a, as a verb, so sheep might flock together, and birds also flock together. Mm. Thanks for listening to us today. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at theellishfolk at gmail.com. And for all social media accounts, we have Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at The Elvish Folk. Thanks to Hassan Pfeffer for the music, and thanks to Jeff for Central Sun and Picture for the editing. Thanks to Mew Media for our artwork. Woo. See you later. Bye.